coming up on One Day at a Time, also known as ODAT. This changed the life for lives of many babies around the country, hopefully setting them up for a lifetime of healthy eating by introducing them to these savory tastes early on. And I really am trying to change the world. And, you know, I think that the United States has done the entire world a disservice by bringing big food, big agriculture, all these chemicals, all this pharmaceutical junk to their countries. And I think it's our job to fix it. Welcome to the show. I'm your host, Karina F. Daves. As a life coach, I love helping moms achieve their goals with grace. And what that means is that I love working with women and trying to figure out who the heck you were before you invested in all of these roles. Your role as a mom, as a wife, as an entrepreneur in your nine to five job, Who were you and where exactly did you lose yourself? I love resurrecting the side of you that is just meant to shine. Because come on now, you were made for more. On this show, One Day at a Time, also known as ODAT, I love interviewing the true hustlers of the world. Women who are basically killing it out there because you deserve more. As we continue our series, Not What I Expected, where we feature stories of women and their journeys of what they did not expect to happen in their lives, as we sit and meet Serenity Carr, CEO and co-founder of Serenity Kids, a company dedicated to making every single bite count for your baby. Listen as she shares with us all the doors that closed down on her, every single job opportunity that didn't call her back, and how during that time, she discovered her passion and her purpose in creating healthy food. Serenity and Joe's car purpose today is to break into the baby food industry on a mission to change an entire population of human beings and their health. I loved listening to her story, her passion, and just how much of an unstoppable force she is. Before we get started, if you're not following me on social yet, head over to Instagram at my handle, Karina F. Daves, or follow me at my website at KarinaFDaves.com. If you're enjoying this podcast, make sure you share it with all your amigos. Subscribe to it, leave me a review, download it, do whatever it is that you need to do because this podcast is made for you, for you to feel seen, for you to feel heard. It's all for you, mama. If you feel like you're at a space where you don't even know if you've lost yourself, head over to my website at www.karinafdaves.com, go to resources and check out the free self-audit. It will give you a sense of where you actually stand right now in your life and if you've actually lost yourself. And listen, mama, if you're interested in a life coach, getting your life back, figuring out who you are at your core, if you're ready for some boundaries, if you're ready to prune toxic people out of your life, toxic habits out of your life, and just getting ready to just live your life to the fullest because you were made for more, then I may be the coach for you. Just head over to my website and apply to work with me on my one-on-one coaching 12-week program. I cannot wait to hear from you. I can't wait to meet you because at the end of the day, our shared experiences, our shared testimonies is really what is going to elevate and uplift each other in our community. This podcast, these blogs, these squares on Instagram that you see, they're all meant to build community and to be for each other. I could care less about going viral. What I care about is building community and building up women like you. I love you so much, Chica. I can't wait to meet you. Te quiero mucho. And now, Serenity Carr. Hey, Serenity, how are you? Hey, I'm great. I'm doing great today. Super excited to be here. We're so happy to have you. So we give all of our guests 30 seconds to say anything that they want about themselves. You could say your favorite food, your favorite ice cream, your favorite thing to do, whatever it is that you want. I'm a huge sci-fi nerd. Huge. Like when I read a sci-fi book when I was 12, because I'd read all the books in our school library and then all the books in our town library. And so I went to my mom's bookshelf, like the worst place to shop for books in the world. And I found Stranger in a Strange Land and read it when I was like 12. And it's a grown-up sci-fi book. And my eyes just like my world exploded. And I've been a big fan ever since. 
Wow. I would have never guessed that. I know. That's why I told you. <laughs> What's the last sci-fi show, movie, or thing that you've read? Good question. Um, probably. <laughs> I don't read a whole lot. Oh, you know what? I just read 10,000 Doors of January. It was oh, amazing. Wow. Okay. Amazing. Highly recommended. It. it doesn't start out. Actually, it does sort of start out supernatural and, um, and it ends up that way too. And it's not okay. creepy or scary because I don't really do that, but yeah. it's a riveting book. It was elegant. It was beautiful. It changed my life, you know, wow. but it was also a fiction book. It was fun and light in ways and um, really, really liked it. Finished it last week. So it's called 10,000 Doors? Doors of January. Mm -hmm. Okay. Okay. Yep. So Serenity, take me back to when you were a teenager. Who would I have met as a teenager? What are you thinking about? What are you up to? Are you prepping for college? Like what's going on in your brain at that time? You probably wouldn't have met me because I was very quiet and shy <laughs> and I studied a lot. I didn't have a lot of money growing up and I knew that I was going to have to get a scholarship if I wanted to go to school anywhere other than staying at home, you know, and living with my parents. And I did not want to keep doing that. So I studied my butt off in high school. I did get involved in the theater. So if you were in the theater, you would have met me then. I worked backstage, you know, I wore all black, like I wasn't on stage or anything like that. Um, super organized, really learned how to, uh, I don't know. I just kind of, I grew up in the theater, really. I learned how that, that my kid, my, you know, I wasn't a kid anymore. Right. I started learning that I can do real things like put on plays that people come to pay money to see. Um, and like I said, I worked really hard. I wasn't interested in working and careers. Like I had no career aspirations. All I knew was that I wanted to travel the world and I wasn't sure how to do that. But in uh, 11th grade, my English class took a field trip to England because we'd studied English literature all year. I saved up my money all year. I had an after school job. I wrote a $1,000, like $1,200 check or something. And I was like, this is a big, you know, I was like writing all these words. I'm like, they can't, I, I had to redo it a couple of times. I couldn't squeeze them all in on that one check. And um, it was the biggest first purchase I ever met. And I really, and I kept traveling. Wow. So did you, when you graduated, did you go off to college? I did. I went to college. I did get a scholarship and I went to college as far away as I could in the same state. So it was 400 miles away. What and state? I, in Tennessee. I oh, grew okay. up, I went to high school in Memphis, Tennessee. And then I went to college in Knoxville, Tennessee, undergrad. And I studied anthropology for a while, which has cultures fascinate me. Wow. And um, then I was like, you know, I don't really want to be a researcher. I don't want to... <clears throat> do study out in the field. I'm far too introverted for, for that, I think. Um, so instead, I got a French degree. I studied in France twice wow. in, in undergrad. And um, and then I got back the second time and I was like, okay, I don't think I want to be a translator either. What am I going to do now? <laughs> so I had a minor in international business and I decided to stay in school one more year after I got back from France that second time. And I actually ended up getting another degree in logistics and transportation or supply chain in uh, a business science degree, Bachelor of Science in Business Administration, and ended up getting a job at John Deere of all interesting places. I moved to Iowa right after I graduated. <laughs> I thought, you know, it was a big adventure. I'd never lived in the mid. I mean, that's not true. I had lived in the Midwest. I was an army brat as a kid and we moved around a lot. So I had lived in Indiana and I was born in Kentucky. So it's almost Midwest. The Western part of Kentucky is almost Midwestern. Um, and, but I just thought, you know, when I interviewed there, they had said there was a big hiring freeze during the eighties. So we've just started hiring people. So there's a huge gap and all these baby boomers are getting ready to retire. There's going to be enormous potential for upward mobility and with, through the ranks. Wow. And there was, I got promoted to manager at the age of 29, which was pretty rare and um, learned a lot about business, big business, you know, huge, old, old business. Mm -hmm. And um, definitely put a lot of those principles to work here in my company and also have changed a lot of those things that I didn't like, like how slow things are in big companies. We run a lot faster around here. 
And little did you know that like all of this was a setup for that big promotion that you were going to get, you know, eventually That's like, right. wow, no idea. I mean, I, I had got a really good piece of advice my first day. In fact, I got two great pieces of advice my first okay. day from the guy who I was replacing. Mm -hmm. And he said, um, get out of your seat. I'm going to sit down here and set up your 401k for you. He was typing. He's like, well, this is your email address. He's like, what's your parents' phone number? That's your password. I'm going to put 12% of your salary into this 401k. And man, thankfully wow. he did that. And that worked great. So that was one thing that he did for me that I really appreciate. Jason Mosheri, if you're out there, thank you. So what happens after John Deere? Like how long were you there for? Yeah, I was there for nine years. Wow. And then after I got promoted to manager, I moved down to headquarters, bought a house at the head and like the city that where the headquarters was. <clears throat> and I remember very clearly I was sitting at the lunch table. It was me and my, all my peers and my boss. It was our whole team. And I looked around and it was 60 year old white guys talking about their lawns and golf. And what did you talk about? And I thought, I have nothing to contribute here. I don't give a crap about my lawn or golf. Wow. I cannot stay here. This is not the place for me. And they wanted diversity, right? They were trying to change the culture, but it was 150 years old at the time, you know? And, mm -hmm. and really like, they're about lawns and golf. The company's about lawns and golf, yes. right? It really is. And so I thought, well, you know, I think I could find something that suits me better. I actually had a boss, um, a great boss at the very, right at the tail end of that. And like, she was, she'd never been a boss before. She just graduated from a fancy MBA program. And we were all like, oh, she's going to be our boss now. You know, I don't know about this, but we were having a one-on-one -on -one and she said, um, <clears throat> do you plan to retire from here? And I said, Oh gosh, I don't know. And she said, well, do you really love your job and love the company? And I'm like, well, not, not really. I mean, I'm learning a lot, but I don't care that much about lawns or golf or farming, you know? Mm -hmm. And she said, then you need to go somewhere else. And it, it hit me like a ton of bricks because in such an, such an old company, all of my peers had started at the company when they were just out of college and they planned to retire there and work there for 30 some years. You know, it was just the trajectory at that point in time and in that region of the country. Mm -hmm. And I thought, oh, I have other options. <laughs> like, I didn't even know I had other options. I think your story definitely resonates with a lot of us listening. Plenty of us, specifically women, we... <sighs> we sometimes have the idea that we have to stay stuck in one position in one area for longer than we need to. I know specifically for me, I've been in my full-time job at higher ed at actually an art school. Um, so we'll talk theater and film later um, for the last nine years. And I work with three older white guys and I've made it to the top of my game. And today I was researching like, just professional development, so much more things. Um, the Yale School of Management has a wonderful women's leadership program. And I was like, you know what, Karina, just like, just go, like, just do these things and just apply because you don't want to be here forever. And just listening to that part of your story, and I know there's so much more that's going to resonate with our listeners, but I think that that in, in of itself is such a great push for a lot of us to just take a second to audit where we are and to possibly ask ourselves the same question that your boss asked you. Do you want to retire there? Like, are you, is this it for you? Because at that point, what were you, 29? Uh, I was probably... I think I'd been in the job for maybe a year at that point when we got the new boss mm -hmm. and it was hard. That job was hard. I mean, the, my, my first week, my boss sat me down and said, you know, uh, I know you're not really qualified for this job. And, uh, and I knew it too, kind of. <clears throat> and he said, we couldn't find anybody else. And uh, I'm starting this big project, so I won't really be able to help you. So you're kind of just on your own to, to sort of figure it out. And I just remember thinking, oh, crap, you know, like, <laughs> all right, okay. So I just made good friends with all the guys on my row, you know, yeah. and Sam, the guy who sat behind me, I talked to him all day and he's like, here's a Black's Law Dictionary. You're going to need this to negotiate contracts. And 
here's uh, some, you know, so I'm like researching law words and trying to figure out how to, you know, read contract. I was reading, reading, you know, 50 page contracts all the time, which I'd never read a contract before ever. Wow. <laughs> and it was a big learning curve and very, very difficult, but I also like, I mean, I got a huge education in a short time mm -hmm. trial by fire. Mm -hmm. Yes. And I passed, right. Yeah, I passed. Yeah. So I, I did some good work while I was there and that work still, I mean, it comes in handy in my job. Now I read contracts today <laughs> and you know, it's a good thing. I know how exactly, exactly. And now you're at the point in your life. Um, so were you 29, 30 at this, at this point? That's right. Mm -hmm. Okay. So at this point you're about to hit your 30s or you're in your 30s, you have your house, check. Mm -hmm. You have your career, check. Now mm -hmm. what? Now what's going through your mind now that you know this is not where you want to retire? Yeah. So I decided, actually, I decided to go into higher ed. So really? I, yeah, so I got a degree. I went back to school. I moved to Columbus, Ohio and went to Ohio State and got a uh, graduate degree in higher education and student <laughs> affairs of all okay. things. Because the thing is my study abroad time was pivotal in my life. Okay. I learned, you know, the first time I moved to, the second time I moved to France, I moved by myself. <clears throat> and the first time I'd kind of gone with a class group from my college. But that second time I was on a plane to Paris mm -hmm. and my, you know, suitcase was in the belly of the plane, like everything I was going to have for the next six months. And I thought, what am I doing? I do not know what I'm doing. I do not know what I'm going to find when I get there. I can't speak French. Like, am, am I going to be okay? You know, um, the girl on the plane next to me had never been in a plane before and she was moving to France. And so I thought, well, I've got a little bit on her at least, you know, at least like I, I've been on a plane before. So I don't, I'm not scared at least about that right now. Um, and so that time of my life was really, um, you know, like I said, it, it just really helped to shape me and help me grow and learn and overcome a lot of the fears that I had for my, mm. for myself that had kind of held me back before. Yeah. And so I thought, well, if I can support other people in their study abroad journeys, that would be super amazing. <clears throat> so I got a degree in higher ed. And then I realized that everybody wants to help people with their study abroad journeys. And there weren't a lot of positions open. You know, there's like one per school and there were a whole lot more people who had studied abroad and thought, well, what else am I going to do? You know, mm -hmm. I don't know what else I want to do. My study abroad was really fun. So instead <clears throat> I moved to Texas because my, I have two sisters and one of them had been here for about 10 years and I kept visiting her. I would, you know, my college spring break, I would come down, I would come down for Thanksgiving and things. And I was just like, man, Austin's really cool. And when I was kind of doing my, should I stay at John Deere? Where should I go? When I was kind of going through that process, I came down to the realization that I should either move somewhere really awesome, like Tokyo or mm. Peru or, you know, somewhere really exotic and exciting, <clears throat> or I should move somewhere near my family. Cause I'd been away for about 10 years at this point. And, you know, I was like, okay, I've kind of done that. I miss my family. I want to see them more than I have been. Mm -hmm. And then I realized that Austin, Texas was both. It was both a really cool place where there's a lot of culture. There's a lot of art. There's great food. I like the warm weather. <laughs> And then my sister and her husband and her daughter lived here and she was pregnant with number two. So the day after I graduated from graduate school, I had uh, this huge U-Haul trailer and I was pulling my car behind it. And after that, I decided, so grad school wiped me out. It was exhausting. I, I had had friends at John Deere who, who went to graduate school while they were, you know, working and they would take two classes a semester or something. And I'm like, are you guys crazy? Like, I do not have the energy for that. Mm -hmm. And I barely had the energy to do it full time. I mean, I was just wiped at the end. And so I decided to be fun employed mm -hmm. for six months when I got to Austin. Yeah. I was learning a new city. I was recovering from graduate school. I was living with my sister and my 18 month old niece who I just adored. Mm -hmm. And so I spent a lot of time with them and hanging out and playing. And there's a lot of nature here in Austin. So I would go swimming in the Barton Springs and lots of wow. hiking and made some new friends and um, really kind of <clears throat> decompressed for a while. Yeah. Yeah. Cause you were coming from such a high, yes. fast pacing, like 
burning, putting out fires constantly type of pace, then graduate school. I mean, I feel like if you didn't take that break, you could have potentially burned out if you weren't already. That's right. I was close. You know, I was close to having been burned because I didn't take any time. I mean, I took maybe a month between uh, stopping work at John Deere and starting graduate school, but that was moving. You know, I moved across the country and um, I learned about my, a lot about myself. You know, I studied human development. Ooh. And so like I had a lot of epiphanies and one of the biggest one, <clears throat> it was, um, and when you kind of Anyway, it's the it's the growth from independence to interdependence to realizing that depending on somebody is actually a higher level of growth than being a teenager and saying, you know, screw the world. I don't mm-hmm. need anybody else but me, mm-hmm. you know, really like allowing myself to be vulnerable and um, commit to certain relationships and really start pulling more people into my life in an intimate way, telling them about my problems, letting them give me advice, things like Mm -hmm. that, Mm -hmm. that I hadn't really thought was a strength before Mm -hmm. ended up, you know, because it's on the, in the chart, right. When you study the levels of development, this one was higher from an um, emotional, uh, what's that called? EQ. EQ. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Your EQ level. Mm -hmm. So I thought, Oh, I didn't know that. So Mm -hmm. kind of learning about the stages kind of helped push me through them to some extent. Mm -hmm. And gosh, I grew a ton. My mom keeps saying, I mean, every now and then she'll still ask me, wow, don't you think you wasted all that time in graduate school? Cause you don't work in higher education. And I'm like, you know, sometimes I just want to, you know, say, stop saying that. I learned a ton mom, you know, yeah. Right. I, I did it all. And Last fall, no, not, not COVID fall, but the fall before that fall of 2019, I was a guest, guest teacher mm-hmm. at um, Texas State University's entrepreneurship class, which I didn't even know you could study entrepreneurship, mm-hmm. but I taught one of their classes and it was so fun. I had a blast. I prepared for hours, like going through my phone, thinking about what could help the students with how I built the business, you know, Mm -hmm. and they voted me the best guest speaker of the semester. And it just felt really good to be there. And Mm -hmm. I thought, someday I might go do that. Yeah. Profess. (laughs) And now that like everything is virtual, you could totally be. I could. Like a part-time lecturer, an agent, like you could totally do all of those things. I might do it. I think what's so beautiful about your higher ed and, and story in like graduate school is that my my colleague and I, a good friend that is a dean, um, I work for Rutgers in New Jersey. So she's cool. a dean over in Jersey with me. And she is in a um, PhD, an EDD program for higher ed. And mm-hmm. she called me the other day. And she goes, Karina, have you heard about the adult brain? <laughs> and I was like, what are you talking about? <laughs> And she's always challenging me. She was like, I know you always talk about boundaries and, you know, getting away from toxic people and different levels of friendships and how even those toxic people are your family sometimes. She goes, but we need to talk about trauma. And I was like, what? And she was like, I just learned the effects of trauma on the adult brain. She was like, just when you think you're over it, you're really not. So she sent me like pages and pages. She was like, you need to read this stuff on how we perform, how we treat people. She goes, there can still be droplets in us of this like toxic upbringing um, or just like not setting boundaries early enough or just traumatic events that we can still take from us. And we're making decisions that we don't know that are actually coming and based off of these places like career decisions, lover, you know, relationship decisions, you know, financial decisions. And there's still unsettling places that we haven't taken time to audit ourselves. And so I think it's so important to have a tribe of people around you that are going to challenge you on that and challenge your perspective and where you are. And so I don't believe that that graduate school degree was a waste. I think it was more of an awakening. I agree with you. It was much more of an awakening. I'm going to tell my mom that the next time she goes at me with it. For sure. It was yes. an awakening, mom. <laughs> so you ended up at Dell, helped them move to Mexico. You were traveling once yep. a month. <laughs> yep. Okay. 
And I went through this big spiritual awakening. Yes. And your friend was like, that's faith. Yep. That was faith. And so then I started really examining like in my, in my, my, when I swim, I kind of meditate, you know? And so I sort of started examining like, okay, now I'm done with graduate school. Now I can kind of ponder this faith idea at this point. And so I did a deep soul search, started realizing that I did want to be a person of faith who, who practiced spirituality, however it needed to look for me. Um, and I found a meditation community that worked for me that I'm still a part of to this day, um, 10 years later. And as I started growing in my spiritual IQ or whatever, spiritual development, I, my tolerance for um, less than stellar situations really went down. So I realized that my job was like a soul sucking, love killing kind of job. You know, I, I didn't really like it and it was very stressful. And I mean, I wasn't terrible at it, but I certainly wasn't awesome at it either necessarily. Mm-hmm. And I decided to, well, and then Michael Dell bought the company back because he didn't think the shareholders were valuing it high enough and it offered everyone a severance. I'm like, wow, you're out. I'm out. I'm out. I'm out. Worst job I ever had. I'm out. And, um, I thought, oh, maybe I'll go back after the four months are up, you know, and I have to, you know, do something else, Mm -hmm. but kind of right at the time I was leaving, I was sitting at the kitchen table with a friend of mine who was a coach of coaches and I, she was trying to figure out how to go paleo. And I had been paleo for let's see what year was for about four years at this point. Mm. And she's like, yeah, but what do I put my almond butter on instead of my rice cakes? I'm like apple slice. And she's writing all this stuff down, you know? And she said, you know, uh, people would pay you for this. And Mm -hmm. I'm like, no, they won't. And she said, no, I really think they will. I think you could be like a paleo coach and help people turn their lives around by changing their diet. So I started a company called joy of paleo. It was just me. It was cooking and recipes and I started writing a book and I got about 60,000 words in. I had coaching clients who I would work through a three-month program with changing their diets and really it was kind of a diet program couched in spirituality. It was really about how to tune in to your Mm -hmm. own body and really start tapping into your own intuition and to stop letting like the the tiny part of your body that's your tongue, like run the whole show. Mm. And it's about how to discern the difference between what your tongue is telling you it wants to eat versus what like your, your belly is telling Mm. you it wants to eat. Cause those are sometimes two different things, Mm -hmm. right? My tongue might want 10 cupcakes, but my belly sure does not. Yes or coffee or, you know, something. So uh, I did a lot of work myself. I had a lot of health problems. And so this kind of dovetailed into um, how to teach other people to go through what I went through without quite as many years of exploring and uh, experimentation, a lot of which did not work. Mm -hmm. So, you know, to kind of help other people speed it up. So I did that for about a year and a half. And Uh, I, and I hired a business coach. And so I went to her, she had a speaker training class in Denver and I went to the speaker training class and I, and I was actually pretty good at it. I mean, I was shy. And the first speech I ever gave when I was 10, I passed out in my class. Like, so I had grown a lot, you know, from passed out when I was 10 to being able to sell from the stage. (laughs) And uh, I got, got back from that training and I was on my acupuncturist table and I was like, oh, I just went to this training. So now I need to find places to speak. And she said, shut up. The lady who just got off my table was asking me if I knew any female speakers in town. Are you kidding? What? Can I connect you two? Mm-hmm. So she connected me with Eleanor and I gave a speech at, um, at her work. It was like a personal growth startup where they did coaching and training and things like that. And she assigned Joe to be my handler. <laughs> And he is now my husband and my co-founder. And I gave a speech on kind of listening to your body, listening to your intuition. I brought food and made everybody eat it and like meditate and talk to their body. It was awesome. And Joe thought I was totally out of his league. But a couple months later, Facebook, you know, friends suggested us. And so he friend requested me and I was like, oh yeah, I remember that cute guy. And, and he messaged me and he said something like, um, oh, hi, you know. 
I hate Facebook thinks we should be friends. How do we know each other again? I was like, oh, I was that speaker, blah, blah, blah. He's like, oh yeah, I, I was gonna, I almost asked you out that night. And I said, you should have, I would have said yes. Uh-huh. And he's like, okay, this is me asking you out. So <laughs> we went out and that was six years ago. And wow, yeah, and now we have built, built the baby food empire. <laughs> <laughs> For real. And honestly, one of the few, because I mean, yeah. probably the only, I, I mean, I haven't seen anything like Serenity, my Serenity kids, and we'll get into that. Um, I think the, the part about it is that we're talking about that is so profound is mindset. It's sort of like where, when a thought comes in, right? How you're explaining, it's not your tongue, what is important for your gut. And so when that thought comes into your mind, so let's say I have a thought today, which is like, you're a horrible coach because you don't have a license. First of all, I have to catch that thought and be like, hold up, hold up, hold up. I am an amazing coach because while I don't have a license, I have experience, like crazy experience. And to tell me that I'm not a good coach means that I've never helped anybody. I've helped lots of people. And so I have to literally rebuke that idea And just like you said, discern the difference between fact and reality. And the reality is that a lot of us are afraid of things that don't have teeth, that don't bite. You know what I mean? And so I just love, was it called Joy Joy of? Paleo. Yeah, Joy of Paleo. Like Mm -hmm. Joy of Paleo is such an awesome concept because it's bridging the gap between this is not just about a diet. This is a lifestyle. And I'm not just going to teach you what to eat and the necessary steps. The way to make this habit sustainable and make it a habit is it has to be an entire lifestyle change, which which starts in the mind. Like we have to change and rewire our thoughts. Um, Joe Dispenza, I think is his name. He talks a lot about the rewiring of thoughts and how people can actually heal their bodies with rewiring of the thoughts. So it's so awesome to just hear somebody else say, like, I did this for a couple of years and I know it worked. And I'm sure you impacted a lot of people's lives and their guts. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I was going for. Yes. <laughs> I did some and I, but I'm, I'm a shyer person and I really don't like selling. It mm. turns out. So I did it for about a year and I, you know, I did have some, I had successful client stories. I mean, and they're still successful today, mm-hmm. but I, it didn't take me too long to realize that I don't really like working by myself. Mm-hmm. I just, you know, I'm good at, I'm really good at some of these things over here and I have some big gaps and I just don't like doing those other things like selling and marketing and design, anything, taking the pictures. I'm, I'm not kidding. I had so many breakdowns taking the pictures of the food I had made for like the blog, you know, the uh-huh. recipe, taking yes. the picture. I'm like, I can't do it. I can't do it. I'm not going to make it. It's terrible. You know, just yes. horrible. And then when you factor in SEO blog writing, oh, like blog, I know it is a whole nother game. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So then Joe, at the same time, he was pretty burnt out on hit with, he was working for a different personal growth startup and he was working like 90 or hundred hour weeks. I'd get to see him for 45 minutes on Tuesday afternoon at three o'clock, you know, or something like that. And so he decided to quit that job. And I was like, okay, this job doesn't really work for me anymore. And so we didn't know what we were going to do. And then we started this company because he was trying to like get coaching clients. He went to this talk and, um, actually we had gone to a paleo conference. So it was 2016, it was May. And we went to paleo FX. It's here in Austin. And we had started, even though we weren't married yet or even engaged, we started talking about maybe having a family someday. Mm -hmm. And I got kind of fuzzy and maternal and I'm like, Joe, let's go find the baby stuff. You know, let's go see where's the baby stuff here. And I found nothing. No wow. baby, no baby, no kids, no, nothing there. And I thought, oh, that's kind of weird. And so I went up to the CEO of the conference because I had done some volunteer work for them for a while and was kind of, it was in the community. And I'm like, Michelle, where's the baby stuff? And she said, you know, I ask myself that same question every year. Mm. And so I thought, well, I guess I'll just have to make my own baby food. Now, that was my first thought. So you had this thought before you even had your baby? Before I was even thinking about getting pregnant. Wow. I don't think a lot of people know that. I think when we see your story, it's, it feels like you had your baby and you needed a solution, but you were out here creating solutions 
to problems that you didn't even have yourself yet. Because I knew wow. I would. That you know, someday you I would. would have, yeah, someday I would. And, and that you knew that current moms were having. Mm-hmm. Wow. And once you have a baby, starting a company is a lot harder, <laughs> right? So we actually delayed having Della for a couple of years because we were getting the business off the ground. And I wanted, you know, I'm kind of an intense person. I wanted, I knew I wanted to take time off if I could, Mm -hmm. after I had a baby, I wanted to just fall into whatever motherhood looked like Mm because I knew it was very different and life-changing and I wanted to allow myself that. So really (laughs) very weirdly, the products launched for sale online the morning Della was born like the exact same time. Are you it was not kidding the, me? Not kidding. It was not the plan. The products launched about a year and a half late. She came a couple weeks early. I was in labor and I remember looking at Joe and he was on his phone and I was like, what is he doing on his phone? <laughs> and I was like, oh yeah, the products launched today. Okay. Okay. You do that one. I'll do this one. No way. Yeah. Magic. No way. You launched a product the morning I gave birth, like within hours. I think they, I think it was maybe even the same hour. Wow. Serenity. That's insane. I mean, you just, you just called yourself an intense person. That's intense. (laughs) That's intense. Super intense. I kind of gave birth to twins, sort of. Sort of. Yeah. I mean, definitely because at this point, like not only do you have to launch, I mean, you're looking at analytics right away. Like, how is it doing? How is it selling? Mm -hmm. How's this going? But then you have this baby. So how did y'all, because you knew you wanted to take off time to just be with that. Like, did you just got, did you guys just set up a team or did you just want Joe to like, how did you do all that? Well, our first production run was when I was seven months pregnant and I was sure as hell not going to miss that. So I went, I flew to Indiana, big and pregnant. I'm like, I don't know how this is going to go. You know, I'm putting on my smock, going into the factory, putting on my, my stuff and it's slippery in there. And they're all like, serenity, don't fall. You know, it was really cute. They're like holding me and helping me get out there and get through there. And so I made it through, I'm the kind of, um, how, how Joe and I have sort of split up the business. I'm kind of still the backstage kind of person. I do operations, finance, HR kind of things. And then Joe mostly does sales and marketing kinds of things. All the stuff that you don't like. Exactly. And (laughs) I, and vice versa, right. He does not like the finance stuff, like (laughs) bored to tears. So um, once that run was done in June, I could kind of, kind of calm down, take some time to prep the nursery and, you know, do kind of mom prep things. She also was Frank breach. And so I spent six weeks trying to get her to move in my belly. She would not, not even a tiny bit move, but I spent, I tried really, I spent a lot of time upside down spinning babies did not work, but, um, so that was kind of my big part was sort of done by that point. We did hire our first employee in July Mm -hmm. and Della was born August 5th. And, um, so then Joe, then it was kind of Joe's turn, right. To take it now. And like, we'd created this product. I'm kind of the innovation brains behind the nutrition part. And then, and then he had, you know, a few months to kind of try to figure out how to sell this thing and pitch it to retailers and really start hustling hardcore in the sales and marketing area. And then I took off, I mean, I, you know, I definitely did work while I was off mostly in conversations with Joe. (laughs) I told him, I was like, you do not blindside me with a work question. If you want a work question, you put it on a list and you let me know. You say, is now a good time for some work questions? And it will not be when I am eating, when the baby is with me. Da, 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 da. Like I set up really good, strong boundaries. So I would answer the questions, you know, give input on design, design input up for the new flavors and, you know, write blog content and um, that whole kind of thing. So I did that for five or six months. And then he's like, okay, ready for you to come back to work. And I'm like, no way. Am I going to leave this baby 40 hours a week? Forget it. Nothing is more important than her right now. I don't, I'm not coming back. Not, 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 not right now. And he said, well, that's not good. That's not what I, you know, he did not plan that. And I, I didn't really plan that either, but I had deliberately not set a limit on my maternity leave because I wasn't sure what I was going to want. Now, I had a lot of difficulties nursing, a lot of difficulties with pumping. I was dehydrated. Della had a lip tie, all kinds of things. Right. Um, 
and I wanted to nurse her as much as I could because I didn't get the yield from the pump and all these things. And so, you know, a week or two later, he, he came back to me and he said, well, what if you can bring her to work with you? Yes. Like, huh? I don't know. That might work. And so he thought, if I can make it work, will you consider it? I'm like, absolutely. So we um, moved into the office we're in right now. And it's a house down the street from ours. And he hired a nanny to come and take care of Della. So right now she's napping in the room next to me. We've been here for two years and I got to play with her at lunch today. I fed her some of my avocado and bacon and hard boiled eggs and might get to see her during the day. I don't nurse her anymore, but, um, you know, I still get a lot of time with her throughout the day. And I really think that that's part of what lets me do my work is that I don't feel disconnected from my kid all day long. I get to see her throughout the day and I have this whole time. And, um, when I travel for a few days, you know, that's really, really hard, Mm -hmm. but I also do get to see her quite a bit when I'm home. So I want to take it back because I know that Serenity Kids was formed from a problem that from a problem that was in the baby food industry, which was like having authentic organic food, because here's the thing. And I don't know if our listeners know this, or even if you felt like this, but like the word organic doesn't necessarily always mean it's fully organic. Like I've literally sat there and read the back and I'm like, uh, what made this organic? Like, it doesn't really make sense to me. So what, for me, I've always wanted to ask you, I thought it was a pretty badass move (laughs) to name it serenity (laughs) to me. Like, I just thought it was, can you like, do you recall, was that something quick just to name it? Or were you just like, yeah, that's what I'm going to name it. Nope. No, but not by no means. I am the backstage person. Remember? Yes. Joe actually was a child actor, legit got paid, did commercials where it was in plays like on stage and, wow. and has been on stage a lot since then. Mm-hmm. We were at a coffee shop. I remember we were, I wanted it to evoke an emotion. I knew that I didn't want it to be something rigid and and cold. And so we were playing with love and joy. You know, I'd had joy of paleo, right? We were playing with all these different emotions. And he said, what about serenity? And I said, no, I don't want to name my company after me. And he said, no, but like serenity kids sounds really cool. <laughs> and it's more than just your name because it's the state of being that we aspire families to have. Mm-hmm the children, the children to have as a result of eating a good diet, you know, and the family. So therefore have, because they don't have lots of meltdowns all the time, necessarily. They're at least not caused by sugar crashes. Um, And it's the kind of an environment that we're helping to evoke on the planet by, by having, buying ethically sourced clean meats and organic vegetables where they're not, you know, continuing to destroy the earth and destroy the environment where they're actually are some of our farmers are regenerative and they're actually sequestering carbon in the drawdown and they're really helping to reverse climate change. So serenity is more than just your name. It's the feeling that we want the families to have as a, associated with our brand because we want it to be the feeling that they actually experience in their home. Wow. And I just want to say, I know I shared this with you before we started recording, but I just have to say that Serenity Kids to me is security. And what I mean by that is security and knowing that my kid is having something that is not going to hurt him, make him crash. I feel safe. And so I know when you think of like marketing, you're like thinking of all these nouns and words. For me, Serenity Kids makes me feel safe. And, you know, even though Levi has graduated to more solid foods, I shared with you earlier that that Serenity Kids for me was a solution to the pandemic, to the pandemic of running out of formula on the shelves because people were just buying too much. And it it was an instant feeling of like, like a like a finally, like a, amen, like, yes, Jesus, thank you so much. Like, I felt like I was saved in that moment because I I was so nervous to give him anything else. Because with TJ, I had all the time in the world to make him everything, right? And and that's the second thing that I want to talk about, and which will be one of my last questions is like, the other thing that Serenity Kids did for me is not just feeling safe, but for, my, for a mom who's trying to balance her full-time job, 
her business, her kids, her own loves and aspirations, her relationship, her household. Serenity Kids just doesn't give me safety and security. It also makes me feel like I'm still a great mom. It makes me feel, it doesn't make me feel like I'm this horrible mom for not making his food and boiling everything and mashing it up. I feel like y'all have done all the work for me. And I'm so grateful personally for that because, you know, just I don't think Levi would, I mean, I know he would be here, but like I wouldn't feel as safe and secure that I in the way that I do now if you guys hadn't done what you did. And so I personally, from the bottom of my heart, I just thank you guys for creating something. Um, and I, I still tell everybody just like, this is an awesome, awesome company. <laughs> yeah, I I also, I thought, surely fresh baby food's better, right? Uh, no doubt. Yes. I'm like, I will definitely make Della's baby food. How many times did I make it? Zero. <laughs> Zero. Being a mom is so hard. Being a mom who works is even harder. Wow. And let me tell you something. Like, you'll, I haven't found bison anywhere else. <laughs> like some of the products that you guys have, I don't find that the chicken turmeric, I haven't found anywhere else. And I, in the last few years have made our own broth because I call it liquid gold. Um, every time I want to detox or just daily, just have it like I love. And so when I was like, what, they're using broth? Yes, finally. Like it is just, uh, I mean, it's just such a good, it's more than a company. Y'all are family, to be honest with you. You guys are family getting into other families' homes. And so one of the last things I want to ask you is you are a mom, you're a wife, you're a woman, you just like are a rock star, you're a sister, you're all of these things. But at your core, you still have other things I'm sure that you want to do in your life. What is it that keeps you going? Like what, how do you always, what are your sort of tactics to constantly just take a deep breath and circle everything back? Like what is, what are your methods to get you back to the ground? To me, when, it's, it's, it's a simple method and I have six journals filled with it. <laughs> And it's a journaling prompt that I do probably I've done every week, at least for the last probably five years. And I journal in the morning. I try to journal for 10 minutes and, you know, not necessarily seven days a week, but there were a couple of years in there when I started in the company, when it was every single day. Hmm. And I write over and over again, I want, and then I fill in the blank. I want, and then I fill in the blank and it's really a, kind of a prayer that I'm writing out over and over again. And I try really hard not to filter and censor what comes through. Like I want a banana split with chocolate frosting and butterscotch chips. Like I'll write that down. Will I have it? Maybe not, mm -hmm. but I will write it. You know, I want to change the world for babies. I wow. want to elevate the health of this entire country. I mean, it got down to, you know, I want to kill it at this Kroger presentation. I want Della to remember always that she is loved. I want, you know, like recently I just redid my dining room and I'd been writing about it for a year. I want a non-carpeted dining room because having a toddler with a carpeted dining room is terrible. Yes. So, you know, so I, I write this and it is meditative. It inspires my imagination to come up with. I don't even know what it's going to come up with. I know. And, and it's not a to-do list. That's the important thing. I don't go back and to do everything on that list. It's just a, an exercise in creativity and sometimes my brain will be like, oh, I noticed that's been on here for a couple months. You know, maybe I'll go actually try to make some steps towards getting that thing. Mm -hmm. um, but for me, it's been a practice that has changed my life. It's one that I plan to keep forever. I just got the fanciest new nice leather journal. That's It opens the way I like it. It's got the right kind of lines. I've got my beautiful... My beautiful gold pen that writes teal ink, which is my favorite color. And, you know, I really let it be juicy and I don't let myself get too distracted with Della's, you know, as much as I can, right? I try to do it when I wake up earlier than her or, 
I hide upstairs and do it, you know, and mm -hmm. Joe's down there with her giving her breakfast or whatever. For me, that practice um, has changed my life. It has changed the life for lives for, of many babies around the country, hopefully setting them up for a lifetime of healthy eating by introducing them to these savory tastes early on. Mm -hmm. And I really am trying to change the world. And, you know, I think that the United States has done the entire world a disservice by bringing big food, big agriculture, all these chemicals, all this pharmaceutical junk to their countries. And I think it's our job to fix it. So that's what I, that's what keeps me going is, uh, <clears throat> I wish you could see this. I have pictures of 12 babies right across from my computer. And when, when everything hits the fan and I'm having a really tough day, I, I mean, I can look at them all day long. It, it's, um, they're all eating our pouches. They're from our Instagram feed. It's a bunch of random babies. One of them's mine. Um, and I do it for them. That's why I do everything. And it is the guiding principle for how I run the company, how we behave towards each other here at the company, how we make our sourcing decisions, how we price our products. Like it goes through everything. It's, it's all for them. Wow. Amen. That's so beautiful. Wow. And that line, I do it for them. I feel it. Like I just feel it. And I told Kristen that the first day she goes, wow. She goes, that's actually what we want. And I was like, oh yeah, baby. I was like, I feel it. Good. <laughs> I feel it. And so- it's it's working. Yes. I just want to thank you so much for taking the time to be with me. We love to give our guests um, 30 seconds or more to sum up everything that they've learned. If they could tell our listeners in the last, however old you are in the last, whatever years you are, if you could sum it up all in about 30 to 60 seconds, what mm -hmm. would you say to the moms, to the families, to the people out there that you've learned over the course of your life? One of my favorite quotes is, is from a book called Conscious Loving by Gay and Katie Hendricks, and it's fear is frozen fun. So if you are scared, really, really scared of, of a, something that's in your life, like a big choice you need to make or an opportunity that you're scared to say yes to, my biggest lesson in life is move towards it. Move towards the fear, get past the fear, and then the fun is on the other side. Wow. Thank you so much, Serenity, for taking the time. I just feel like uh, I, I spoke to this. I spoke to the I spoke to you about this before. I don't have a lot of friends, but I could talk to you forever. Um, so thank you so much for being on my podcast, One Day at a Time, also known as ODAT, the place where I love to interview women who are basically killing it out there. Thank you so much, Chica. I really appreciate it. <laughs> this has been a blast. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you.